Welcome to the St Emlyn's Christmas podcast. I'm Ian Beardsall. And I'm Simon Carley. And we thought we would take this festive season as a little excuse to look back on what's been a tremendous year in the world of FOMED, emergency medicine and critical care, education and research. Just giving us a chance to relive some of the best times we've had, think about some of the science that's been published, some of the things we've read and share with you some of our thoughts and hopes for 2015. So Simon, perhaps you can take us through some of the top papers of 2014 and some of the things that we learnt from the journals. We've had a great year for science. We've had a really good year for emergency medicine, critical care, resuscitation science appearing in some really high impact and high quality journals. But it's also been interesting because a lot of it hasn't been terribly positive at first glance. So we've had things like trials looking at CPR, mechanical CPR for cardiac arrest patients and demonstrating that things like the Lucas device didn't really make a big difference in outcome. And we've also had trials around the use of starch solutions in sepsis, which have pretty much shown that they're harmful and we should stop using them. Although I still hear people using starch solutions in sepsis even now, which really makes me cross. We've seen some interesting papers around sepsis. So we've seen the ARISE trial published. We've seen the PROCESS trial published. And both of those trials really didn't demonstrate a fantastic improvement with early goal-directed therapy against what is standard treatment. Although, you know, there's still promise to come in that particular area. Just if those of you listening in your cars, just to point out, I do believe Simon just made a joke, a science related papers joke, and you don't get many of those. So you've mentioned their process and arise. For me, although it was negative in some ways, what that did tell me was a huge positive about what we've done in emergency medicine and critical care over the last 10 years. Because you know what? It turns out that usual therapy is pretty good. And I think that 10 years ago, perhaps, may I say, usual therapy wasn't that good. So, yes, OK, we might have said that early goal directive therapy isn't what we have to do. But there's a real positive there about what we're doing, how we're recognising sepsis, what people are doing to look after these patients. So for me, although a lot of the world seemed to take this as a throw goal directed therapy in the bin... I saw that as a real benefit. And actually, Manny Rivers and the team should be congratulated for putting us on the right path all those years ago, because without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. I think you're absolutely right. And that's one of the big lessons that came out of that. And also the uh, ANZICS trial looking at the mortality from sepsis over the last 10, 12 years, which showed an enormous decrease in mortality from sepsis. And similarly, in the targeted temperature management trial, one of the other major trials this year, where we saw no difference between patients kept at 33 or 36 degrees C, that trial again showed a significant decrease in the mortality from patients after cardiac arrest. So all of these trials, they at first glance might seem negative, but there's a huge amount of positive out there that demonstrates that we are moving resuscitation on and we're getting better patient outcomes, which is very, very good. If you compare the the bottom line, if you like, between mortality now and mortality 10 years ago, we're getting better. And I think we need to remember that at all times, especially when times are getting tough in emergency departments, not just in the UK, but around the world. We're doing something good. And that's an important positive to, to take out of some of the research that's been done. Were there any other papers that you wanted to think about? Oh, gosh, there's many out there, some in the big impact journals. And it's probably worth mentioning that we are definitely seeing papers and studies done in emergency medicine, critical care, resuscitation, hitting the big impact journals and getting a really high level of press coverage and a high level of interest. And that's only going to be a good thing for our specialty and particularly people who are interested in academic research. 
There's a bunch of other stuff around there as well, which it sort of sneaks in the back door, but I think can actually make a difference to your practice. And one which I'd probably like to highlight, which one that just made me stop and which I have used in clinical practice since, was just a review article that appeared in the EMJ by Mark Wilson and colleagues looking at the survival and the good prognosis for patients with brain injury and fixed dilated pupils. Because fixed dilated pupils means death. Or so I thought. And what they've demonstrated in a review article is that the mortality from patients with fixed dilated pupils and extraoral hematoma is about 30%, and they have a favourable outcome in 54.3%. That's incredible. And that means you can have different conversations with your neurosurgeons, and you don't get that nihilism in the resus room when you have fixed dilated pupils and an extraoral. You can still actively manage these patients who have potentially a great prognosis. This data changes practice, and that's good. Now, one of the things that this is highlighting, really, now, you obviously are a man who reads the literature. I can't admit that the EMJ, the New England Journal and the Lancet sit on my preferred reading list all the time. But they've really increased in my exposure to those because of the way I've been able to access them through the online FOMED movement. So now all of those trials that you've mentioned I've become no- I've known about those within 24 hours of their publication. Not only have I known about them, but I've followed discussion by eminent scientists and researchers discussing the pros and cons of the trials and how they were done and found myself really up to date with it. And there are definitely some blog sites that have come online this year that have helped even more with that and some podcasts. We should probably mention some of the blog sites that we at St Eminence have really found useful over the last year. Of course, there's still life in the fast lane. It will always be there as the spine, the backbone of the FOMED movement. But we have had some new ones come online. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of literature, there's actually quite a quite a lot out there already. You've got, you know, Cliff Reed, Recess.me, you've got the EM Lit of Note, you've got the SGM, you've got St Eminence, of course. But this year we saw a development of another blog site which is focusing around critical care and just the quality is really high the analysis is excellent the papers that they're looking at are relevant to everybody who's involved in resuscitation maybe with a bit of a critical care bent but there's no harm in that and it's also british which is of course is excellent and and it's the bottom line because we want the bottom line we want to know what the bottom line for the evidence is so what else but the bl And I have to say, it's not only British, it's also from Wessex, which is where I practice uh, my emergency medicine. And I indeed work with the chaps who do it. So there may be some personal bias there. But even if I didn't know them, I think they have come through from nothing. Uh, They weren't even well-known names in the online community particularly, but they're now at the very front of the FOMED critical care movement. And it's going to be great to see Steve Mathow over at SMAC in Chicago in June And we've got those sites that help us with science, but we've also got some that help us with, well, how we think and how we behave and how we practice this mysterious art of medicine. I know that at St. Emlyn's, we've been writing a little bit over the last year about how we think, and I've really enjoyed being part of those discussions and part of that. But other people have been taking that on board as well. Are there any particular blog sites that you've noticed doing that sort of thing? So again, steering people away from the really big sites, which I guess everybody knows who's involved in uh, free open access medical education. There are some smaller sites out there, which I do like visiting because they do give a slightly different perspective and make me stop and think. And an example of one of those will be Broom Docs with um, Casey Parker based up in Broome, Australia, who just spends time stopping and thinking. 
He gets some really interesting speakers on the site and he has a really interesting perspective on the use of diagnostic tests, which you and I are really interested in, and issues such as clinical judgment and gestalt, which again are things which we're interested in. So I I quite like Casey's stuff. I'm not sure it's as widely read as it should be, but I'd I'd point people in his direction, actually. And we want to encourage people more and more people to write these things. We've had a couple of guest writers on St. Emlyn's this year and they've been hugely welcomed. And if you do fancy writing something and you're just not sure how to start, then do get in touch with us because we'd be very happy to help and to publish the stuff that you're doing. So we've got those blog sites. We should, at this point, I think, mention what the College of Emergency Medicine's been doing, both for blogs and podcasts because it's a big deal for us in the UK and their recent announcement they're going to make the Enlighten Me content free next year and integrated into a brand new site I think is hugely exciting for those of us not just in the UK but worldwide and I know that Enlighten Me has in the past been used across the world but now it will be so much easier to access and I think that's a really big deal for us all. I think you're right when it was behind a paywall it really wasn't accessible to to people who needed it and our view on education has always been that if you've got something which you can teach from which other people can learn then share it i mean that's really important and i think if the college has got a resource which can be shared then they should and i'm really looking forward to seeing that so there's a whole bunch of other websites which have appeared this year as well. So we've seen things from some of our junior colleagues, so Eve Purdy over in Canada looking at Manuel Corde, um, and other medical student sites coming now, which are, are clearly going to grow and develop over the next few years. And we've seen some teaching sites come up. ITEM has done quite a lot this year. It's changed its look. It's getting better. There's some more conferences coming out of there. That's going to be very interesting to see. Then you've got Rebel EM with Salim over in the US. And just... I'm just seeing a general development. I'm seeing new sites come along, but I'm seeing old sites get better and better and better. The quality, I find, is definitely improving over the last year. I don't know what you feel. Definitely. And and that old adage that can you trust what's online and can you actually believe it, I think is becoming less and less relevant. If you know where to look and you are critically appraising what you read, then almost anything you need to know in emergency medicine can be found somewhere online for free. We are really seeing the death of the traditional textbook. And the more people who can access this information and the more accessible that is, that can only be a good thing. So we've had the blogs. We've also had some new podcasts. And we probably shouldn't forget that St Emlyn's, bless it, its podcast in its current form has only been around for about eight months or so. It feels a bit longer, but it's been a great journey. I've been really enjoying it. Hopefully, everybody's been enjoying listening to some of our episodes. I'd say the favourite one of mine this year was talking to John Hell about diffuse axonal injury. Just getting experts to talk to us has been a real joy. And obviously, having Rick on the team as our worldwide expert on troponin, I, I've learned so much from them. So I can only say thank you to them. What about other podcasts across the, the UK and the world? What, what have you enjoyed listening to? I think my my favourite podcast actually still is the stuff that comes out of the Intensive Care Network and is the the drip feed that comes out of Smack. I think that's absolutely fantastic. But there's a whole bunch of other podcasts which I've listened to on a regular basis. I've enjoyed some really interesting ones this year, new ones. So things like Foamcast. Have you listened to Foamcast from the US? I have listened to Foamcast from the beginning and they should be hugely congratulated. They present a really polished product from the very beginning. I think when we first started this, it's not that easy to do, but they were straight in there, top quality, really good structure for anybody in emergency medicine. Even if you're advanced, you can go back and learn 
anything you need to know those basics and i think that well done to lauren and jeremy superb product i enjoy the rage podcast there aren't that many of them i think it's just is it five or six now something like that i like the rage because it's a bit like going down the pub with a load of really clever people and sitting around <laughs> and listening to them chat yeah it does take about three car journeys to get through an episode which so although there's only five episodes there's a lot of content in there uh, i'm still loving m crates i think some of the podcasts this year have been excellent and particularly some of the non-clinical ones have been superb Intensive Cat Network, as I said, still listen to Min LeCong from The Farm, still listening to several of his podcasts and still enjoying those. I love a bit of Min, especially on Twitter. In fact, I'll have a little bet with myself sometimes if I tweet something that mentions him to see how quickly he can respond. And if there were to be an award for Tweeter of the Year or Express Tweeter of the Year or Speediest Tweeter of the Year, Min would just sweep the board. It'd be like Titanic at the Oscars. He'd get every single tweeting award there was. So hats off to, to Min. He's a good guy. So we've got the blogs and we've got the podcasts, we've got the journals, but still we have this opportunity to meet up and conferences in emergency medicine and critical care. There have been some really top ones this year. We agreed before we recorded this to not really mention SMAC, so we're going to try and avoid that. Just take it as read that it was the best conference this year. We had a great time and we can't wait to go next year to Chicago. SMAC, done. Simon, I know you've been invited to a few to speak. We've been to some as delegates. It's been a real highlight of the year. You've been around a bit this year, Simon. What have been your favourites? We've been all over the place, haven't we? Um, not just myself, but Natalie's been around. You've been to several conferences. You went to London Trauma Conference. Rick's been around to many conferences. He's been to Germany. He's been all over the place. So I think amongst the Stemlins team, we've managed to get out there and learn. We've learned huge amounts by going around. So, ah, oh gosh, I don't know. I, I went to some great conferences this year, actually. Um, some really unusual ones, like the EMS Gathering in Ireland, which is a multi-professional, multidisciplinary conference looking at pre-hospital care and emergency medicine. They adopted a learning with leisure approach. So there were activities in the afternoon, including mountain rescue. They did a bus tour, which involved learning about sepsis, which we call the Puss Bus, which I thought was quite a nice concept. They did uh, bike rides and mixed bike riding with anticoagulation management. It was really interesting, a really interesting approach. They took petrochemistry, well, to the nth degree, really. So pretty much all talks were six and a half minutes long. Incredibly friendly group of people if you get the opportunity to go i would definitely go that was a really interesting conference we've been over to europe we met our european colleagues don't think we've done enough of that in the uk in the past i've said this before but meeting the europeans there's some fantastic stuff going on just over the channel if you can get beyond the language barrier there is so much to learn from our continental cousins that was one of the things actually about the london trauma conference was they combined their pre-hospital day with the norwegian air ambulance and just learning a little bit about a different structure and a different healthcare environment was hugely valuable so we should maybe maybe we should go away more i think this is a good idea yeah i got over to denmark where Emergency medicine is not really an established specialty yet. I met some fantastic people there who are really trying to do an amazing job and develop a specialty. They're about 20 years behind where we are in the UK, but you can see that they're definitely, definitely growing. Similar things in Germany. So thinking a bit about next year, obviously we have Smack Chicago to look forward to in June. Have you got anything else in the diary? Um, a few. I'm over in Texas in February with the AAEM, courtesy of Joe Lex. That's going to be really exciting. We're running the conference for the College of Emergency Medicine here in Manchester in September. So that's going to be quite a big focus. And I know Rick Body and Natalie May are heavily involved in that as well. So there'll be a big, strong St. Emlyn's presence. And of course, yourself. I've heard a little bit about some of the speakers who are going to be at that CHEM conference. And you want to start looking at the dates and booking your leave. I'm not allowed to tell you who's going to be there. But 
It's really quite something. If you can't make it to Chicago, let's just say there's some of the people who might be in Chicago. You can just visit Manchester and you'll be able to see them there as well. So book your leave now. It's going to be pretty special. When we announce it, you'll be quite impressed, I think. I hope so. Are you seeing conferences change? Do you think that there's been a real move to make these more entertainment than they are podiums and PowerPoint? The word I've got in my head is medutainment. It's a mixture of medicine, education and entertainment together. And I think people now that we've seen online, people can go and visit TED Talks. They can go and look at the Smack Talks. The tolerance for somebody turning up showing blue slides with white text and yellow titles, PowerPointed with ream after ream after ream of word and word and word, no pictures, no style, no beginning, getting halfway into the talk and going... Uh, how long have I been going for for now? I'll just skip a few slides. The tolerance, you can feel the tolerance in the audience just disappearing. We now know how it should be done. We've just got to do it. And with Twitter and the awareness of using that, you get instant feedback. Although I have noticed that people are still very polite, even when there is the death by PowerPoint coming up. Although I did enjoy Joe Lex's PowerPoint bingo for the things that you have to look out for. And sometimes do do that when I'm in teaching sessions or conferences. So that's a bit of a review of 2014. It's been a heck of a year, really. It's been a really enjoyable year. I've been hugely privileged to be part of the St Emlyn's movement over the last few months. What have we got coming up in 2015 that we should look forward to? I think we'll have some new authors coming through and delivering, again, a new perspective. And maybe we'll have some younger authors, some trainee authors. Now that Natalie's matured into the consultant that she is, we no longer have a trainee in the core of the team. So we're looking for a a trainee to join the team. So I think that'll be quite exciting. We're going to have, well, podcasts. That's your arm of the organisation. What are we going to do with podcasts? Well, more of the same, I think. We've got some stuff recorded from the London Trauma Conference, which we'll be releasing over the next few weeks. We'll keep recording as we do here. We'll try and focus on the induction section so that will ever expand. And my ambition is that one day there will be a podcast for every key presenting complaint in the College of Emergency Medicine curriculum. And not only will it be every presenting complaint, but if you listen to it, Hopefully there'll be a degree of accreditation for that. So you can put that onto your e-portfolio if you're an emergency medicine trainee in the UK. So that's my ambition. I'm going to be working towards that. Also trying to get some of our friends, colleagues to come in and tell us what it is they do. John Hell's episode about diffuse accidental injury taught me a lot about podcasting. That in essence, the key is to find people who are clever that you can talk to. And that's really been the essence of what I try and do with the podcast hopefully just asking the questions that everybody else who's like me wants the answer to. So I'll be looking for clever people or just interesting people that we can speak to. It's an exciting time. And we've got several of those lined up. I know Rick's got Kirsten Hogg from Canada lined up to talk about new, or they're not so new now, are they? The novel anticoagulants, oral anticoagulants. So there's some really good stuff at a high level coming through on the podcast. There'll be some basic stuff as well. And on the blog, we're going to do more of the same. We're going to do more literature reviews. We're going to do much more about metacognition. And we're going to explore the world of emergency medicine because it's still a great job. Even though it's pretty tough at the moment, it's a great job. And I hope that that's the air that you're getting from us Every time we speak to you or write something, yes, emergency medicine is tricky. Yes, it can be difficult. Yes, it's tiring. And yes, it's stressful. But there's no other job like it. This is real. Simon and me talking to you like this. This is what we believe. This isn't a script. It's truly the best specialty. And we hope that we give you an air of that when we're speaking to you. I guess like any review of the year, we should say a couple of quick thank yous because there are some people without whom this stuff would not be possible. And at the top of that list should be Mike Cadogan, who continues to be the quiet, strong backbone of the FOMED movement. 
people may not realise, but many of the blogs that you read have been set up by Mike and the format has been put together by him. And any time there's a site problem or something bad happens that we don't understand, he gets an email sent from us and he's always on the case and helping us. He's really just the guy. And not only have we got Mike, we should just say thank you to the other Life in the Fast Lane guys who helped direct us when we started off the podcast. So Chris Nixon, thank you for your hints and tips. We hope that we've done you proud. Anybody that you wanted to just drop a line to where we have the chance on this rather informal podcast, Simon? Uh, very much informal. I think uh, Roger and Ollie for their support that they've given us through Smack and supporting and, and promoting St. Emlyn's through the ICN, I think has been very, very helpful too. And we should probably just mention my little brother, Greg Beardsell, musician extraordinaire, who's never had much credit for composing the theme tune that you hear every time you download one of our podcasts. And I hope you enjoyed this like Christmassy feel to the intros that you've had recently. There's also going to be a special outro today, a Christmas outro. And for those of you who like a quiz or like a musical puzzle, there are three Christmas carols tucked into this that uh, there is no prize. The prize is just the feeling of smug self-satisfaction of knowing the answer. So if you can spot the Christmas carols that are in our outro, then uh, do let us know, tweet us and tell us. I'm sure Jeremy Faust as the musician of the FOMED movement will be able to spot them straight away. But Greg, thank you very much for your help. You've helped give us a real brand and it's really part of what we do. Simon, anything else you want to say to everyone apart from wishing everyone a truly happy and peaceful Christmas? Um, I think just ho, ho and ho. You realise that in America, ho means something else. Does it? I think so. I've heard people like Jay-Z rap about that. Jay-Z. I'm down with the kids. I am very much one of them. So ho, 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 indeed, if you were Father Christmas. Please take care, everyone. I know that many of you will be working over the festive period. Look after yourselves. Enjoy your families. Enjoy a very, very happy time. And we'll be back with you in the new year with more from the St. Emlyn's team. And keep enjoying your emergency medicine. Have fun, folks.